0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory podcast. Hmm, pie.
1: Howdy! Welcome once again to the very first episode, which is kind of weird because if this is the first episode, then and we're welcoming you back again, then this would that would be kind of a weird thing. But we did do an episode zero, so. Hey, that's something. So, hey, welcome to an episode of the Pie Factory Podcast. From the glorious wastes of northeastern Illinois, this is
0: Jimmy G. And um, I guess this would be Shawnee C., wouldn't it?
1: (laughs) Shawnee C. So, Sean, do we have any arcade news this week? I don't think we do.
0: Actually, it's funny you should ask. In my neighborhood, here in uh, beautiful Andersonville, Chicago, there is a new barcade uh, about to open called replay there's actually another one down a little ways down from me in uh in boystown and uh it's uh, i've seen i i actually walked past the other one down in boystown and um it, it's a very small place i didn't actually go in yet because you know i was with my wife and you know you can't play video games and you know because you have to have time together which is fine but you know i peeked in and i saw they had you know pretty much what you would expect you know the core classics and everything but anyway they're moving right up into my or they're opening a second location up in my neighborhood i had read somewhere that they had already opened but they did not the there's the place is still kind of like boarded up and papered and everything's like, coming
1: soon replay well uh the big news uh in my neck of the woods is the fact that we still don't have any arcades down here and uh, if I want to get to one, I gotta just drive—I don't know—two hours to the northern uh, suburbs, or t- hour and a half to downtown uh, to to get to one. That is one of the benefits about living in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Ah, but you got Galloping ghosts, not terribly as—that's yeah, that, a stone's throw from my sister's place. So if I'm ever up and there, there I'm usually I'm usually too busy with family stuff to even uh, to even get out there to to do anything.
0: Um, I do want to uh, take care of a couple of things from uh, the last episode. No, I'll be as quick as I can. First of all, when we were talking about No Quarter podcast. I was, I said, you know, Mike and Carrington and whoever the current host is. I apologize for sounding kind of flippant about that. Uh, I literally didn't know who was going to be the host. We recorded this. We recorded this uh, the first episode a lot earlier than we recorded the current one, and the new No Quarter hadn't started up again yet. But the new host, of course, is Rob O'Hara, who's doing a, a wonderful job as far as I i'm concerned i think so as well i miss carrington but rob is doing a fantastic job so sometimes a guy like
1: you know sometimes guys need time off and uh you know you know uh thanks carrington for all the the fun and laughs i kind of agreed with you more but i still think buck rogers and bubbles are great arcade games and neither of you
0: (laughs) gave them the uh gave them the love that they deserve but other than that that's awesome and uh yeah and also you know Obviously, the last, the the, the previous episode, that was our first one, you know, I I just want to apologize for those of you who are hearing my wife in the background. Um, I didn't realize until we actually published just how loud that was. I made sure that I closed the door. But I do like that people get to hear a slice of my home. And I especially like that sometimes when you could clearly hear what my wife was saying, it was almost as if she was contributing to what we were saying. You know, kind of like if you ever go up to somebody who's on a cell phone and you actually answer, the, you actually pret- pretend you're the other pr- the other uh, interlocutor and you actually answer that person's questions. It was kind of like that. Anyway, I am sorry. So we, uh, for our first episode, and since the name of the show
1: is The Pie Factory, we decided we were going to do a couple of um, a couple of classic games here that everybody knows. The games we're going to talk about today are Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong 3 Uh, Should we let the people in on uh, on the theme, or you want to wait? Yeah, let's
0: let's wait. Let's uh, put a little business. Because I
1: we we had already discussed the uh, the theme, but I had just thought of a second one like yesterday, which uh, both of these games fit into, and it 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 just occurred to me. But uh, we can talk about that a bit. But the first game we're going to talk about is Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, Nintendo Classic. Sean,
0: do you remember the first time you ever played Donkey Kong? Jim, funny you should ask. I I remember exactly. It was actually President's Day. De- well, actually, they were still they were still separating the presidents. I think it was Lincoln's birthday, nineteen eighty one, actually. And f- for whatever reason, my parents thought it would be a dandy idea to take the family and spend the weekend over at the uh, the Holiday Inn in Bradley. You probably remember that place. It's on. It used to be on Route fifty at least.
1: And oh yeah, had- now it's some. Uh, it's some uh,
0: some. Cheap-ass motel. In fact, I think that's the exact name of it. Cheap-ass motel. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, and I think the Holiday Inn actually moved to another street. But yeah, and they had a game room in there. In fact, they even in the hallway on the way to the pool, they had a Gorf machine just in the middle of nowhere. In the game room, uh, they had they had a small handful of games. They had Space Invaders. Uh, that was where I first saw Pac-Man, actually. So we'll save that for another... Uh, episode <laughs> and they had donkey kong and i didn't really play it that weekend i just remember hearing it i remember here constantly hearing you know the little uh four note sound that uh that that happens you know when mario grabs a uh, a hammer or if he jumps over a barrel you know I thought it was actually like part of the part of the music that was playing over the over the hotel system. So, it didn't play any of it that day. I was actually learning how to play Pac-Man very badly. I mean, that's actually an interesting else. new
1: variant of Pac-Man. And uh, yeah. isn't uh, Bob DiCrescenzo making that one? I
0: believe so. For the seventy-eight hundred, yes, the Atari seventy-eight hundred. Yes, Pac-Man very badly. Not long after that, the Kroger on. Route 45 in Bourbonnet, where in its original location, I saw Crazy Kong, actually. And I was wondering, is this the same thing as Donkey Kong? I don't remember the
1: date, but I do remember where I first saw Donkey Kong and where I, where I first played it. Back in our younger days, before we had these DVRs and cable boxes with the electronic programming guide, we actually got a, um, a TV insert in their local newspaper. In the back of it, there was a coupon for $5 off pizza at a place called the Brew and Chew Pub in Lockport, Lockport, Illinois. It was located at Bruce and Farrell Roads. And what happened was is that I showed my dad that and he goes, well, you know what, let's go over there. So we get over there, and it's on the southeastern outskirts of Lockport. And... Um, We we went by there once, we couldn't find it, and then we turned around, come to find out it's this building, it's like back in a bunch of woods, and you have to look, otherwise you'll miss the sign in the driveway to get back in there. I went by there recently, and the, the building's still there, but it's like, obviously not been used in years, but, so we went in there, we ordered our pizza, and there was a Donkey Kong machine. I had heard about Donkey Kong, never played it, and got some quarters, and of course I could never get past the first screen. Uh, To be perfectly honest, I've never really generally been a huge fan of Donkey Kong. Um, I actually enjoyed the sequels a lot more. It's not one of the games that I would just keep, would go back to. Now, in this day and age, um, I'll play it. And um, and honestly, I kind of actually liked the Atari 2600 version, uh, the original, which was, I thought... Oh, you were the one. It wasn't bad. And given uh, the fact that it was... uh, on the 2600 and what they had to work with, I feel it wasn't horrible at all. I mean, which wish they would have included another screen, but, you know, you
0: know, it is what it is. You know, I have a whole theory behind that, too. I mean, yeah, there's a conspiracy theory that Coleco made Donkey Kong suck on purpose just to make their ColecoVision version look so much better. I don't buy that at all at all. Well, when you
1: figure some of the talent that they uh, they hired to uh, to make that stuff. I believe it was one of Activision's original programmers that did Donkey Kong on the 2600.
0: I think so, yeah. But my theory is that like, like at least with both of uh, the Atari 2600 version and the Intellivision version, it's pretty much the same thing. You have the barrel level and you have the rivet level and that's it. My theory is that think about this. Like back in that in those days, chances are you either had an Atari 2600 in your house or an Intellivision. Everybody in their duck had one of these things and most people when they play Donkey Kong you mentioned this last time you know they never go they never advance very far you said you never advance very far in it you know. Uh, So they don't see the pie factory, they don't necessarily see the elevator level, so that might have been something that the developers thought in the backs of their minds. They're like, well, these people never see these levels in the first place, and they're just average, everyday video game players, so hey, they're not going to mind terribly that uh, we only have two screens in this version. That's my theory, prove me wrong. Um, according
1: to uh, the Retro Game Guy, uh, Gary Kitchen programmed the Atari 2600 version of Donkey Kong for Coleco. And if I'm not mistaken, I know he was part of Activision. I believe he also programmed oh, Keystone yeah. Capers. Um, according yes, to the Retro did. Game Guy, he was only authorized to make a 4K non-bank switched game, so he's very limited with what he could do. He managed to get the two levels, the construction and the rivet screen, into the 2600 version, but the graphics were no match to the ColecoVision version. It says here that he managed to capture the essence of Donkey Kong, but is not one of the better games for the 2600. They mentioned the uh, the newer Donkey Kong um, homebrews for the uh, 2600. So uh, we'll probably get into that a little bit. But yeah, Gary Kitchen, I mean, that was some talent there. And uh, I like you. I don't buy the fact that Coleco told them to make their uh, Atari games or their competitor games worse than... uh, than the ColecoVision game. First of all, the ColecoVision didn't need to do that. It had a hell of a lot more power than the uh, the Atari systems ever had. Uh, well, the 2600 and the Intellivision, let's put it that way. And so yeah. they didn't need to cripple it. And then when you figure on top of it, Coleco actually did make some really good translations of games for the 2600. I'm thinking... Off the top of my head, um, Adventure was pretty decent. Carnival was okay. Mousetrap was really good on the 2600. And uh, If you've ever seen the Mousetrap arcade game, the it's interesting because they have four buttons on the machine. It's a Pac-Man-like game. Three of the buttons control doors are like, uh, like a red door, yellow door, blue door, and another button turns you into a dog. Well, how can you do that with the 2600? Well, first of all, they just had one set of doors. No different colors. What they did was that to turn into the dog just tap the button on the controller to open the door you press and hold the button and it worked really well it was an elegant solution to uh to the problem so that was a really good version uh let me think time pilot was okay Uh, mr do was pretty good that's about the only ones I can think of off the top of my head, but
0: uh, no, Coleco didn't. Uh, Coleco didn't. They didn't sabotage themselves, and it, it wouldn't make much sense to do that. You know, you know how much of a money waste that would be to pay for, to pay developers for garbage, especially someone out, like Gary. Like, thousands upon th- and thousands of th- upon thousands of uh, cartridges. You know how much money that costs to do that back then. That, that was there was a lot of money back then. And, uh, in my opinion, the only really, the really bad game Coleco made for the twenty six hundred was.
1: Um, was Donkey Kong Junior, and even I, kind of got a perverse sort of enjoyment oh, out of man. that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. You people who say that E.T. is the worst, no, 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 no. not yeah, even Donkey by Kong a long Jr. shot. It's
1: not even. Donkey it's Kong not even. Jr. It's not even at the
0: fifty percent mark. Yeah, Donkey Kong Junior is like way is infinitely worse than E.T. You'll ever.
1: Now there's a website. You're I can't remember recall what it is off the top of my head, but uh, if you look under the bugs and Easter eggs section, there is a bug for Donkey Kong Junior that me yours truly personally found on the 2600 and that's on the i'll say this about donkey kong jr on the 2600 they got managed to get three screens in so at least they got that but um on the mario's kitchen screen on the 2600 donkey kong jr if from your starting point you move all the way to the right and then you're they're kind of like butt up against a platform and you hit the jump button you will not jump once you will jump twice and then the screen goes black and then through some sort of, I can't remember the exact the exact sequence at this point, but after you get that bug, if you fiddle around with the reset switch and uh, pressing the jump button, you can eventually find a uh, combination of those things that will eventually give you no enemies. Was it 255 or No enemies.
0: Well, you know, as soon as we can find the link, we'll put it in the show notes. Just Just recently, but that's so. a Donkey
1: Kong Jr. We're talking Donkey Kong yeah. here.
0: You realize this is the second episode in a row we talked about a home version of Donkey Kong Junior. When neither episode we were talking about Donkey Kong Junior. Yeah, so, um, I know. What's up? So far, things are going pretty swimmingly with our consistency. So that's that's amazing. And one thing I want to interject with before I uh, before I forget, you had asked me uh, right before we recorded episode zero. You said, "Hey, do you know any?" You know, we were trying to th- toss ideas in the air. And you said, do "You know any tricks or anything with Donkey Kong? Like anything you used to do?" And the only thing I could think of was this aladdin's castle lincoln mall second episode in a row we're talking about this with this joint but you know, it was amazing I mean, it
1: was the most amazing arcade in the chicago area at its time and now as of january 1st of this year lincoln mall is totally closed except for like one of the anchor stores I think. I think they're closed too
0: but my family we used to go there once a month and my allowance was one dollar four tokens at aladdin's castle plus anything i found on the floor or if my brother had any leftover tokens he didn't want to use, I would kind of inherit them. But, you know, I remember once I was in there, you know, my last token I played Donkey Kong on, and I had a really crappy game. You know, I lost three lives with no problem, and I was, I was just so mad and i basically went crying to one of the workers and claimed that it took my token or something and so she just opened up the coin slot and just flipped a switch and i played another game that's about the the most tricky thing i ever did with donkey kong really
1: yeah i with the when i first played donkey kong i could only i grabbed the hammer on the first platform and I would smash some barrels, but I could never make it past there. I just couldn't do it. And for the longest time, I could not even ever make it past the first screen. Not until about maybe 15 years ago when I first... 15 years ago? Well, I don't remember how long ago it was, but when I first played it on main was the first time I was ever able to get you know, get past the first screen. And now I know, you know some of the tricks and where to wait and that sort of thing. Stuff I didn't know back then, but... I mean my first impression of the game was wow it like, was like
0: wow this was hard. I mean how could anybody oh, do yeah. this? I
1: mean Donkey Kong is not an easy game.
0: You want to talk about not easy. You know I've been practicing. I've been practicing in Mame a lot using Mame and the and the regular standard US ROM set. I can consistently get in the 80,000s and I actually got a score in Mame of 117,700. Wow. Now having said that, I uh, took my quasi monthly trip up to uh, underground retrocade in West Dundee and I had heard that up there they have the hard ROM set oh man the the guys who told me that were not kidding I struggled to get over 30,000 on that thing and I eventually did manage to get, uh, well, for me at least, a fairly decent score. It was like somewhere in the seventies, I think, maybe even eighties, by pure luck. And I think the only real difference, and I know people are going to jump on me if I'm wrong, but the only real difference I could see between that and the hard, or, I'm sorry, and the, and the standard ROM, is that the the fireballs and the Firefoxes move a lot faster.
1: It kind of reminds me of uh, something like the 2600 version the firefoxes they could never go up and down the ladders
0: but they just go no. sh- sh- back and forth fast if it got further into the game and i noticed sometimes in that version they would actually cross over the over the uh the spent rivets sometimes i have actually seen that in the arcade version it doesn't happen really ever.
1: I'm I'm pretty sure uh-huh. I've seen it in the arcade version. I know I've seen it in the 2600 version. In fact, I think the 2600 version manual does mention that, actually. So that's a, probably a
0: bug that they turned into a feature. I've noticed a lot of different, or, or maybe not a lot, but I've noticed a few quirks with Donkey Kong myself. I noticed that, and this is something I've always noticed, both in MAME and on the real machine, is that Mario will suddenly stop climbing up a ladder just for no reason right when he gets to the top, and then suddenly you can't move, you gotta, it's like, oh, come on, come on. And, of course, I can never get him to start moving again until right before a barrel decides to come ro- rolling over his head. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but I've noticed that a lot. Hmm. I don't can't say as I've noticed that. Um, I
1: do know that um, for all the crap that the 2600 version gets, that... Uh, Mario actually moved pretty smoothly up the ladders in uh, in the 2600 version. He absolutely did. I totally agree. I, I think it's really interesting with the ColecoVision version of Donkey Kong when they first developed the ColecoVision. The controller was supposed to have like a little like a little trackball built into it. In fact, the older version of the ColecoVision controllers there's actually a spot for it on the uh, the PCB. And it's still in the code of Donkey Kong to use this uh, this little this little ball thing, so that Donkey Kong can just zip right up the ladder. It's still in the code for the ColecoVision.
0: One of the other quirks that I know, in fact, this is pretty this is pretty uh, well known uh, Donkey Kong lore. Let's say you're on the rivet screen, you jump off the side, Mario bounces right back onto this, but if he walks off, he dies. Wait, what was and then the crazy, crazy thing? thing yeah. Okay. Go on. Next time you play Donkey Kong, you make it to the rivet screen. Mm-hmm. Like, just jump off the edge. Of the, just jump off the edge. He bounces. He literally bounces back onto the edge. In fact, that's how a lot of people grab the hammer on the. Uh, I believe it's the the third the third or fourth platform up. They basically jump to the left. He, he grabs the hammer and he bounces right back onto the platform. But if you just walk off the platform, you're dead. Huh you're not careful, when you bounce right back uh, back under the ledge, there might be a firefox waiting for you.
1: I always thought that that was kind of interesting, the way that they did that, where you would um, you jump off, hit the wall, bounce off, grab the hammer on the way back. You don't even have to do that, if I'm not mistaken. You can, you can just jump right under it. Well, that's actually yeah. off a little bit, but I, but I think
0: you can still just
1: grab it, and you don't have oh, yeah. to do the bounce off. Impress
0: your friends. Yeah, here's the thing though. The way way that hammer is positioned, it is right at the edge. So if you go a little bit too far, Mm -hmm. then you know you're in trouble. A lot of times, providing you don't have anything attacking you about to attack you, just do the jump and bounce back. That's my recommendation.
1: And as long as we're talking about the home versions of this game, and I know we're, we are we kind of build ourselves as an arcade podcast, but uh, we don't have to strictly keep us there. But the topic at hand, Donkey Kong, there's a really, really, really good version of Donkey Kong for the Atari 2600, which is, if I'm not mistaken, it's still in beta. It's still a work in progress. But, man, oh, man, if they had some of the programming tricks and tricks and whatever back then that they have now... This, this would have set the uh, home console world on fire back in the day. This is really good. It looks exactly, almost 100% exactly, like the arcade version, including Donkey Kong and whatever. And this is on your 2600. The only trade-off is, is that due to the hardware limitations, uh, two things. the uh, You can't have angled, they don't have angled beams on the first level. And the second thing, because of the uh, hardware limitations, is is that the screen has to scroll. Instead of it just being on one screen, the screen scrolls up with you, which is not a bad trade-off. I mean, it helps you focus on, you know, what the events that are at hand and not worry about all the extraneous stuff, which actually might make the game a little easier. But it is
0: a really well-done version, and it's got all four screens. Going back to that scrolling thing, one thing that gets me concerned is that on the original Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong's like dropping barrels straight on you when you're still on that first level, either straight down or zigzag, you know, so... In fact, w- one of the strategies I use is I, c- I keep an eye on that barrel in the first like well actually every time I start the uh, the barrel level I keep an eye on it and I know where to jump I know when to jump uh, how to trick it into giving me a hundred points when I don't when it might not want me to <laughs> that that's one thing I can see as a loss but the thing is though to get that on the twenty six hundred though it is so worth it now I just wish that I could I wish I could get that thing working on my harmony cart um. Uh, if anybody knows how to get how to get that ROM working on an original issue Harmony Cart from when they first came out, let me know.
1: Now it looks uh, like he hasn't actually done any made any updates to this uh, version of Donkey Kong since looks like 2013, and mm-hmm. um, the guy who was uh, doing it, the guy's name on Atari Age is Joe Musashi. Don't know why he hasn't done any more work on it, but honestly, in my opinion, he doesn't really need to do any more work on it. It looks just fine the way it is. If you can uh, get it, just um, go to Atari Age, no. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. In the yep. Game Programming Homebrew Discussion Forum, just look for DKVCS, and uh, you will find it. And it's um, really, really awesome, and I
0: quite yeah. enjoy it. Only thing wrong with it is is the collision detection is a little bit wonky, but again, you know you're playing a freaking realistic Donkey Kong on the 2600 version. Like exactly. anyway, let's put
1: it this way: Donkey Kong doesn't look like a gingerbread man anymore. He looks like the arcade Donkey Kong, not that the ColecoVision so Donkey Kong, the arcade Donkey Kong. You have to put up with some flick- flickering due to the uh, the techniques they use, but um, it's uh, unlike uh, unlike
0: Pac Man in some other games on the 2600 it's uh it's not irritating you get used to it something now this is something i never heard addressed before like as to everybody knows of course that we call we call the character mario now what was his original name the correct answer is Jumpman. and the thing is it's like why is he called Jumpman? and they're telling us that that's basically implying that his main duty is to jump which is not he's climbing ladders he's trying to rescue the rescue pauline or the princess whatever you want to call her and then I looked at the uh, instructions on the control panel. Did you ever look at the instructions on that? It's like freaking encyclopedic about the different ways he can jump and the safe ways he can jump. Like uh, Jump Man can jump uh, up to one full uh, one full of uh, length of his height without dying. To make Jump Man jump this way, do this. To make him jump the other way, do this. Jump, 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 jump. It's like good grief. They're all about the jumping, aren't they? You know what? So. I'm kind of curious. Um, it just occurred to me you now
1: how he's called Jumpman. On the uh, ColecoVision and on the um, the uh, the PCs of the day, the Atari 400, 800, Commodore 64, Apple II, IBM PC, and so on and so forth, Epic's had a game called Jumpman Jr. And I was just wondering now if they actually had a yeah. Jumpman game. And apparently they did have a Jumpman game. Which makes me wonder if... Um, they uh, got into any trouble with Nintendo over the name? That would be interesting. Both are amazingly fantastic games. They're um, they're quite different than Donkey Kong. You know, they're still single screen platformers, but they have quite a bit different mechanics. But they are fun games in and of themselves. So if you get a chance yeah. to check those out, check them out.
0: Um, something else that I kind of want to go over. You know, everybody knows. You know, the intro the intro music in Donkey Kong. Obviously, it's you. Know... Commonly known as the Dragnet theme, it's uh, it's called "Danger Ahead," and it's derived from a film noir uh, song. Well, not song, but a little piece of music written by Miklós Rocha, if that's how it, how you pronounce it. And it's based in that that movie is, is, is based on a Hemingway short story, and it's called "The Killers." Everybody knows pretty much knows what that music is, but something that I observed. I went years without playing the arcade Donkey Kong, and the first time I played it in in, in a number of years, probably in the late 90s, that little short little tune that plays on the screen that says, How High Can You Get? I am convinced that that music was borrowed from Sky Pilot by Eric Burden and the Animals. There's probably a million different postings of it on YouTube, but if you don't own a copy of that song, check it out. Uh, Listen for the line, How High Can You Fly? I'm convinced that it's derived from that from that little line.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Right. You mentioned something there about uh, about the theme being from uh, what did you
0: say, uh, Dragnet? I'm really thinking, okay, of course, the danger ahead thing, the Dragnet theme. They they use that in Donkey Kong undoubtedly for the same reason they used it in Dragnet. It was probably public domain or very cheap at least. And something else that I, I'm that I've noticed and I've, I'm surprised nobody ever mentioned this. I've noticed this all my life. That little bassy music that, that plays when you're on the on the barrel screen. That's the bass line from Don't Be Cruel. Oh dear Lord. Nobody's noticed that. And what I what I noticed is that the music gets more monotonous as you progress to different screens because the rivet screen, it's just like two notes, like it's like the same thing over and over.
1: Yeah, that's that. Yeah. What was I I've seen the elevator uh... I'm sorry, the Pie Factory screen so, uh, so little that I don't even know what the music on that one sounds like.
0: Is it the same as the rivets? Except it's the same note. That's all it is. And the elevator screen has no music whatsoever, just the little boingy sounds of the springs. And speaking of sounds, speaking, I only learned this recently, you know, the squeaky sound that uh, that Mario makes when you're man, whatever makes when he walks? That's supposed to represent squeaking sneakers. Really? You know what? I can yeah, see that. I can see that too. In a very imaginative, creative way. Something else I want to talk about, I know we've been talking about uh, our first game for quite a long time but this is gonna help people like Jim who don't really get past the barrel stage all that much basically a couple of tips for you don't grab the hammer on the bottom level it's just gonna waste time now what I typically do at least on the first level I just immediately as soon as the game starts I head to the right I go up the one ladder you can actually go up and then I immediately head left And assuming that the first barrel doesn't fall down any ladders early, I go up the very first ladder that I can on the second level and then I jump immediately because that barrel will be coming. And I just play it very carefully, go up, always grab the hammer on the on the uh, level right underneath Donkey Kong, because for one thing, you never know when Donkey Kong's going to drop a barrel right down in your head. Hmm. As long as you have that hammer and as long as it's in the right position, you'll be safe. And it's really cool, like, if you happen to grab the hammer at the exact same time that a barrel comes hitting you down the head, it's, it's really cool.
1: That's the interesting thing about the hammer, um, because... Uh... Not only would it be hammer time, but then also the hammer, because it, you, you swing it like a regular hammer, like if you're pounding a nail, you could still get killed by the barrels. Yes. If the thing From is in the wrong position. Now, the original ColecoVision version, if you, as long as you held the hammer, you could touch any of the barrels, and they would disappear, because for some reason it made it to where it had to, if you have holding the hammer the barrel has to touch Mario for it to go away. The hammer doesn't actually destroy the barrel in the ColecoVision version. I I believe they fixed it for the Atom version, and I know the Atari version uh, uh, plays the hammer just like the arcade. But not the ColecoVision
0: version. And the Coleco version is generally considered to be the most arcade accurate one, except of course you talked about the Atom version. Yes, the Atom um, version, which is uh, has all four screens. Supposedly, there's yep. a prototype
1: of the Atom version running around that actually has a fifth screen. When they Coleco came out with the Atom computer, they were actually adding screens to all of their arcade uh, licensed titles to give them something a little more. In our episode zero, we uh, talked uh, talked briefly about the, uh, the version of Zaxxon for the uh, Atom, which is the absolute best home version of Zaxxon you will ever play in your life, and I am not kidding on that. But uh, I don't know if the prototype for the... Uh for the five screen donkey kong has ever showed up donkey kong jr five screen prototypes out there and i uh, was re-watching the video of it on uh, youtube the other day not so sure about the donkey kong uh
0: when you get to level two the barrel stage in level two you're gonna want to take one jump while you're moving to the right when you first start playing like usually people jump right where the broken ladder is for pacing and what happens is when the barrel is about to hit the ground, it's going to be right on your butt. If you jump at the right moment, you'll get 100 points. Oh, wow. If you don't jump at the right moment, you don't get 100 points. You just keep moving on. And and speaking of 100 points, I found Donkey Kong... I always complained about the Pac-Man games wasting that digit on the far right because it's always a zero because everything in pac mans like based on 10. Mm-hmm. Everything in Donkey Kong is based on hundreds, which means you have two zeros that never change. And uh,
1: You know, yeah, that's it's- something I've never understood is... Is that those zeros are extraneous so what point do they serve yeah and the thing especially because if you roll the score i mean games like tempest uh, tempest actually does increase the score by one point uh, if you're yes, shooting these shooting the spikes Uh, In Tempest, I mean, you get like like one point for each little section of that that you destroy. There are other games like that, but I mean, yeah, and I never really totally understood why you have the zero there because that's taking up memory. In fact, many arcade translations when they came from the arcade to the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, many of them have that last digit. Cut off because they're trying to save as much, um, much uh, RAM and ROM or whatever in uh, on the 2600.
0: And by the way, um, level three and three and up. What I well, I I sometimes get to four, rarely get to level five. But on the barrel stage, I still do that extra jump when I. Start the, so I start the level, but be prepared. Once you get to the to the ladder on the far right, you're gonna have to jump. So be prepared for that. The rivet screen. I realize that my strategy for the rivet screen, which is pretty much a basic strategy. If I think if you go to YouTube and look at the rivet screen. You'll see that pretty much the same thing that everybody does stick on that. You stay with the left side of the screen first, clear, like ignore that purse or tell what is that thing on the bottom? That, pro, that little bonus prize you can pick up. Is it a purse? Is it a phone? Is it, a, I think it's a purse. I don't know, but ignore that. Just go straight to the, straight to the left, clear the first rivet and then jump back over it to go up two levels, clear the, the rivet, abo- uh, two levels up and then clear the top rivet. And then work your way back down to the rivet you skipped and then clear the rivet, grab the hammer, pound out any fire foxes and all that. It's easier done than said. And of course the rivet screen has that little property where if you're at the very top level, right adjacent to Donkey Kong, yep. if you're like within the little uh, legs that support the that support the uh, the platform that Pauline is on, jump and move the joystick while you're in the air, you get a hundred points. And that's oh, I did. I'm sure there's gotta be a link to that in YouTube. So But the interesting thing uh, about
1: the rivet screen versus all of the other levels is is that the rivet screen is the only level in which you can directly be killed by Donkey Kong. Everything else is throwing yeah. stuff down at you. On that screen, you could actually walk into Donkey Kong and die.
0: But yeah, the thing about that 100-point bonus, I remember reading about that in Joystick Magazine. Remember that thing? Oh, in the God, the yes, 80s? I remember that one. I had the Sinistar issue. That's the one that I have. Someone wrote in and said, hey, I found a way to get lots of bonus points on Donkey Kong. And it was that uh, jumping trick. And the editor said, well, yeah, that's fine and dandy, but you're losing a lot of bonus points on your timer. Well, I learned from actually a friend who, uh, who goes to the local arcades all the time, uh, that that's actually not true. If you consistently perform that jump over and over, you actually gain points faster than you lose them. And I found that to be totally true. Uh, The thing is, you you gotta do that when you're absolutely sure you're safe, that firefoxes aren't gonna come jump at you from behind or something. Usually, if you can trap all the firefoxes on the left, you're golden. Well, what I usually do is on the elevator screen, as soon as the game starts, I head to the right and jump on the first elevator. But, you know, I'm not going to get into all that detail because, hey, people want to want to hear us move on. So I'm going to just going to say that I guarantee you, if you look and do a search on YouTube for Donkey Kong elevator level, you will find a basic strategy that's pretty good.
1: One thing we haven't talked about is we haven't talked about the fourth screen. Not Not yet. yet. The Pie Factory. The
0: Pie Factory. Where have I heard that before? I have no idea but yeah I just want to backtrack to the elevator level one uh, really briefly though something that I see people doing by habit is as soon as they get to the top level where Donkey Kong is they immediately head straight under to the uh, straight under the platform where Pauline is you don't have to do that the first time you get that level you can just as soon as there's clearance you can go straight up the ladder and you're safe and then I'll save you a couple of seconds time to... anyway so I just want to say that you but yeah the pie factory uh, the infamous pie factory that most a screen that I have seen the Please. hey follow my advice and you'll see it but uh, i i said this uh, last time and i'm going to say it again it's actually usually my favorite screen because if you play your cards right all you got to do is go to the right and keep climbing ladders and you're done and you're—it's over in like five seconds.
1: It's really, However, it's really fairly easy because you don't even have to. Uh, I mean, you don't even have to re- go up to the, the platform that Pauline's on. You just got to go to the platform nope. that Donkey Kong's on.
0: And of course, I, I'm saying it like I expect it to be that easy every time. Believe me, it is not. The fireballs are going to jump over on both sides when you least suspect it. Once you got fireballs on both sides of the screen, uh, you're going to have. Uh, you're going to come up with some choice words that I'm sure that the owners of Underground Retrocade didn't like me yelling on uh, Saturday. <laughs> and
1: it's interesting that there is... Um, now,
0: there's there's two hammers on the screen. One is
1: they're not as useful as they are on the other screens because on the first one, on the first platform, it's... Um, the, the first and third platform on there um, are actually conveyor belts, and they're always moving in one direction, and then suddenly they'll stop and move the other direction. Now, you move with it. If you're moving against the way that the conveyor belt's moving, then suddenly... turns on you then suddenly you're moving twice as fast and you could make you could be hitting one of the the cement bins or whatever they call it while your hammer is up and so that makes it kind of a bit of a challenge with the hammer there and then the other hammer is I believe it's on the left hand side of the screen on a small platform the only way to get to it is to jump to this small area or climb down a ladder and it's really kind of pointless because if you grab that hammer you have to wait for a fireball to come down there, and that's it. You're only going to get, like, 100 points if you get that one. So, 300. You know, why get it? Why get it?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah the, the Pie Factory screen would be kind of hit and miss, and if you miss, you miss big time. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, it's not horrible difficult,
1: but it's got some new rules, and you know, some new rules it throws at you that just totally, you know, changes up the game, like I said, with the moving platforms and that. And let's be perfectly honest... In my opinion, it's the least visually appealing
0: screen in the game. Yeah, the only, yeah, you know, and it's kind of a catch 22 because you look at it, it's just basically platforms, really, and a couple of Firefoxes. Or actually, are they Fireballs? I think they're Fireballs on that screen, actually. You could go, you could, you could have an entire Pie Factory screen without any of those pies or cement thingies or whatever. It almost looks unfinished the way it, the way it's presented sometimes.
1: Yeah, it, indeed it does, and it's that, that should be really one of the, because of the uh, aesthetics. It looks like it should be one of the earlier games in the game or, or earlier levels in the game. Um, they hold it to later in the game, which gives it some sort of a mystique, which it do, that screen doesn't really honestly
0: deserve. Yeah, we mentioned this before uh, last episode, but yeah, the way the, the original Japanese version, you get all four screens in every level. Like you start with the, the barrels, then you get the pie factory. Then you get the elevators, and then the rivet screen is basically the end of the level. You rescue Pauline, yay, it's done. In Japan, you probably get a better chance to see it. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't want to go to Japan, then either find a Japanese arcade game here, or get the Japanese ramen. Or on. Um, Shall so we move on? Yeah, let's let's move on. Um, our other game was, and still is. Donkey, Shlong, uh, Donkey Kong 3. Oh, and actually, before we move on, one thing I want to say, I've been seeing this posted on Facebook a lot. Uh Uh-huh. No, there was no such thing as a Final Jeopardy situation in which somebody wrote, what is Danky Kang? I saw that. that.
1: fake. I saw that That come up on my uh, Facebook feed the other day, and I'm like, there's no way that could be real.
0: It is so fake.
1: Anyway, moving on, Donkey Kong 3. Yeah, Donkey Kong 3 is an interesting game because, um, let's put it this way, it's time to reveal the themes. Our first game was Donkey Kong, and the second was Donkey Kong 3. What we were originally going for are Donkey Kong games in which Donkey Kong is the bad guy. Because Donkey Kong was not the bad guy in Donkey Kong Jr. Now, that having been said, thinking about... I can't wait to hear this. Technically, there's another theme to these two games. Mario isn't in either of them. He was Jumpman in the first game. He wasn't Mario. Just like Jason didn't do any of the killings in the original Friday the 13th. Well, but then again, that's probably a bit different of a situation. But but yeah, in uh, this game, you play Stanley the Bugman. Instead of Mario the Jump Man, you got Stanley the Bugman. The object of the game is to spray Donkey Kong to the top of the platform. What it, Every screen has either two or three platforms. The first screen has three platforms, and you can jump up and down. You don't have a jump button, you just automatically do it. The second screen has two platforms, and then another screen has three platforms again, but there's a break in the middle, and you can't jump from the first platform all the way up to the third platform. Now what happens is is that you have to spray Donkey Kong to the top of the vines he's on. Donkey Kong is on these vines, and he'll reach over and he'll shake some uh, hornet's nests that are on either side of them. And then the hornets come down, and they try to shoot you with whatever hornets shoot you with. And also, they're trying to protect your five flowers that you have at the bottom of the screen. If they get low enough, they'll pick up a flower, take it off the screen. And I've never actually never had it happen to where they've gotten all five flowers. But uh, I'm assuming that you lose a life. In some games like that, you actually lose the whole game. What happens is that the other enemy you have You got the hornets coming down, but you also got like a hornet that takes two shots to destroy. He's got kind of like this evil grin on his face. If you shoot him two times, he'll blow up, but he has shrapnel. And if you get hit by a piece of his shrapnel, you'll die. And interestingly, he will most often have two hornets guarding him, kind of like the uh, the flagships in uh, Galaga and Galaxian. Which we'll get back to that in a moment. And um, also, sometimes there's some little vines coming down from the side of the screen to the platform. And sometimes you'll have little worms coming down there. Now, if you shoot the worms while they're on the vines on the side, they'll go back up. But if you shoot them while they're on the platform, they freeze. They get stunned. They I will kill that. you. Oh, I hate that. That that makes for so much of... And we'll get back to that in a second. But the two ways you can clear a screen. And I saw somebody... in comment about this on the uh, Pi Factory Facebook page. First of all, the main one is to spray Donkey Kong all the way to the top. If you get him up about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way on the first screen, he will knock down a super sprayer, which you can use from any level to spray him to the top. Now, if you don't have the super sprayer, you can still spray him all the way to the top, but you can only hit him... When you're at the top of your jump on the highest platform and that's not as easy as it sounds uh, because you don't because of the way that the sprayer works it uh, you, he's only hitting like the very tail end you know, of the of, of the spray. The super sprayer just doesn't have a limit as to how high it will fire. Now, the only problem is, is that you can, at best, get two screens of usage out of the super sprayer before your super sprayer goes away. And once you lose the super sprayer, and I actually cheated on Donkey Kong 3 earlier in the week to test this theory out, after you lose the super sprayer, you cannot get another super sprayer until you lose a life. The super sprayer never comes back. I went like 15, 20 screens in cheating. I never saw that super
0: sprayer come back. That is officially the case. Yeah, that's how it was programmed. Just one per life. And by the way, the super sprayer can kill the caterpillars that otherwise won't die. It can kill the caterpillars. And I'm thinking about something that I said about the caterpillars, where
1: I said if you shoot them on the on the vine that goes up on the on the first screen, they'll turn around. But if you're on the on the platform, they will freeze. I totally forgot on the second screen, which is kind of like the rivet screen on uh, Donkey Kong, this is the one where you do, you basically, quote-unquote, finally defeat Donkey Kong. If you spray him to the top, unlike the other screens where he escapes, on this one there's like a, a honey pot or something up there. Yeah, no jokes. And uh, he gets his head stuck in it and he falls. On the Pie Factory
0: Podcast, you heard it
1: first. Pie Factory Podcast is talking about honeypots. Boy, I can't wait until we do Crystal Castles. Anyway, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so he'll he'll fall down. Now, on this screen, there are horizontal vines that those caterpillars will go, go across. Totally forgot that on that one, if you hit a uh, caterpillar with your regular sprayer, it will freeze there, too. So if you get them all, like, right under Donkey Kong, and you don't have the super sprayer, they will freeze there, making it a lot harder. You're going to have to wait for those for those yep. uh, caterpillars to unfreeze before you can hit them again. Oh, I neglected to to, to mention two things. Uh, the first thing is is that every screen is, a ti- is timed, but remember earlier in the uh, conversation I'd mentioned something about Galaga and how we would be getting back to that. This game is actually the Donkey Kong version of Galaga. The other way you can defeat the screen instead of spraying Donkey Kong all the way to the top of the screen is to kill every insect. I think there's about 40 of them. If I'm not mistaken, uh, even on the um, even on the final screen, there are 40 insects that you have to kill. If I'm not mistaken, um, the only problem on that screen is is that there's only one or two it comes out at a time versus the other screens where they can just all come out and w- willy-nilly or whatever, however many number they want. So um, there are two ways to defeat it, and um, I never did mention that the uh, my very first. Uh, interaction with Donkey Kong Three was actually at an arcade and a shopping mall in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Uh, if you've never been to Thunder Bay, it's on Lake Superior. It's a pretty decent-sized town, about probably about the size of Rockford, Illinois. It's on the western shore of Lake wait, Lake Superior. If you're in Minnesota and you go over the border, it's like about 20 miles or however many kilometers north of the uh, north of the international border. Me and my dad and my brother were out camping. There's a really nice uh, provincial park there called Kekebeka Falls. <laughs> Say that? Try to spell that one. And, um, no, and uh, the shopping mall we were in had a um, had an arcade. I don't remember if it was an Aladdin's cast or what. It might have been. And um, I saw Donkey Kong 3. And I was shocked because Donkey Kong 3 in Canada was the first arcade game I had ever seen that required two tokens. I wasn't even thinking about the international uh, currency exchange rate because it was 50 cents, whereas down here it was 25 cents. So that obviously had something to do with it, but I was still kind of shocked that it was two tokens. I like Donkey Kong 3. It's probably my favorite of the original Donkey Kong games, to be perfectly honest with you.
0: But it is not a two-token game, not by a long shot, but a fun game it is. And yes, going back to uh, I want to kind of backtrack. You said uh, like I did with Donkey Kong. I looked at the control panel of Donkey Kong Three, and what's interesting is that the game instructions they only mention like two or three insects. And you know, there's one thing that I I hated so much. It looked like a wasp or something that would kind of buzz sideways. And if it get down, if it got down to the bottom level, and you were at the bottom level, you are toast. <laughs> and i hated those things and it's not listed on the enemies list all they listed was like b spies and a couple of others and by the way the b spies that thing that you were talking about where you shoot it twice uh, and there's shrapnel my advice is when you kill those b spy things make sure you are directly under them you're like not off to the side or anything or you the your safest place is directly under yeah,
1: them yeah cuz they don't they don't uh, the shrapnel does not go directly up and down it goes uh, on your uh, secondary compass You know directions, and I believe also to the left and right, but it doesn't go straight up or straight down. I have to double check that. I'm not sure that it goes to the left or to the right, but I do know it goes like the northwest, northeast, southwest, south. Yeah,
0: those things used to kill me all the time until I realized, wait a minute, let me just stand right under it. Speaking of things that can kill you, I don't know if you knew this. I found this out accidentally. Uh, you know, For the longest time, I th- I didn't know that there were more than one ways to, to uh, win the level. I didn't. I thought you had to spray Donkey Kong all the way to the top. And when I read that, you could uh, basically do away with all the insects. I was like, cool, I'm going to try that. Well, I got to a point when Donkey Kong actually fell from the vines and landed on me. No kidding? Uh, no kidding. I was like, oh my God, you're kidding. And I think it was my last life. So Did you still have time on the timer? That's what I'm wondering. I wasn't. I didn't really notice the timer. It might have been because it's something you don't you don't realize that he's progressively moving down and he kind of like falls off. Fascinating. And what? I, and the, and something. And the, what I love about the, the this game really is that Donkey Kong, unlike with the other ones, he has he has emotion. Like if you notice when you uh, when you make the 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 whole reason that you win the level by killing off all the insects and things is because Donkey Kong has no weapons anymore. He doesn't have any weapons and he realized that he's like knocking on the uh, the hornet's nests and nothing's coming out and he has this oh crap look on his face. And I I love that little touch they put in there. Well, I was um I was
1: uh I don't remember if I heard it somewhere recently or whatever, but um Donkey Kong wasn't programmed to be a bad guy he was programmed to be mischievous that's what donkey kong was supposed to be just this mischievous ape just causing trouble he isn't a bad guy and um, you can kind of see that with uh, with donkey kong too that he's not a bad guy he's just one of these misunderstood you know he's 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 like misunderstood kind of like uh, kind of like king kong let's be honest Donkey Kong is based off of.
0: Yeah, there's no let's be honest about that. I do believe there were lawsuits over that.
1: Yes, there were lawsuits. I don't remember the outcomes, but there were indeed lawsuits.
0: And uh, I kind of want to share something about, you you talked about when you first saw Donkey Kong 3. Yes. My story about how I first saw it was very exciting. I saw it on Starcade. Uh Uh-huh. And that was the only time I ever saw it until a few years ago when I went to Galloping Ghost. And that was the first time I ever played it on a non-MAME setup.
1: I could have sworn at the Pizza Hut in Joliet by the Louis Joliet Mall that they had a Donkey Kong 3 in there. I know they had a Super Pac-Man for the longest time, and I know they had a PlayChoice 10, but I could have sworn they had a DK3 in there at one point. I could be wrong on that, and I probably am. But I know I've seen it more than just in Canada, and every time I saw it in the arcade, I would play it.
0: I have kind of a Donkey Kong 3 story I, I gotta share, because this is just, this, this I think this is awesome. So, before I tell this story, I just need to confess, this portion of the podcast was actually recorded later, um, because, number one, as you've been hearing throughout the show, Jim and I have been having sound issues uh, with this episode, and number two, because, well, I couldn't tell the story very well, so I did the smart thing, and I actually wrote it out, and so I'm basically reading a script, if you will. So, anyway, here's the story. Scott Lambert is the owner of Underground Retrocade, and you know, he's works his butt off to make this place really nice for people to hang out and get our gaming fixes. Um, it's not his whole life. He's got a day job, he's got a family, and he pretty much sacrifices all his free time and a lot of his family life to keep this place going. So, about a year ago, a few of us regulars over at the Retrocade were talking about how it'd be really cool to do something nice for Christmas for Scott. Um, This was, again, a year ago, and we're recording this at the end of April. But anyway, we just wanted to show our appreciation. Now, We're not exactly rich people, but we figured if we get enough people together, we might be able to build up enough money uh, to get uh, Scott a nice token of our appreciation, like maybe something for the arcade. Um, I had suggested maybe the Atari 2600 lamp that you can get on Atari Age. That'd be a really cool decoration to have. Also, we had overheard Scott talking before about how he wanted to get some more home video game consoles in in the uh, Retrocade, so we figured, well, maybe a ColecoVision, maybe some game to go with that Coleco vision so anyway at some point um, somebody in our little group I'm not gonna out him just I don't want to embarrass anybody or whatever um, I'm just gonna call him Mr. X and if he's listening he'll know who he is if he wishes to come forward he's certainly welcome to but anyway Mr. X spoke up and he said you know what? A console? A video game console? That's small potatoes. Let's think big. Besides, people aren't going to come to Underground Retrocade and pay 15 bucks to play a ColecoVision. What happened was Mr. X uh, went on Craigslist and he found a Donkey Kong 3 in uh, pretty decent condition. So, he met with the seller, he tested the machine, made sure it was working fully. He uh, was able to haggle the price down a little bit. So, there was that Donkey Kong 3 machine in a blue cabinet, which meant that it was an original cabinet, because later on, they made uh, Donkey Kong 3 cabinets red. Now, the thing is, the cabinet wasn't in the best shape in the world. It was kind of scuffed up. Um, So, there was actually enough money left over, so that uh, Mr. X could take it over to a friend of his, who... um, Who actually does repaint arcade games a lot. So he took it over, had his uh, painter paint the cabinet red. Now, why did he paint it red when the original is blue? Well, quite simply because um, Underground Retrocade had already had at least one blue Nintendo cabinet. Uh, I believe the Donkey Kong machine over there is blue. Uh, Mr. X figured, well... Why not have a red one? So that's why we did, we decided on red for that. So he had the machine painted. There was still enough money left over to rent a truck and transport the machine over to the arcade. So we were worried that, hey, Scott was probably monitoring the security cameras 24-7. <laughs> so he'd be a little bit suspicious when he sees people, especially people that he knows regularly as customers, sneaking something in there. So just to be safe, we got his son involved who uh, helped helped everything happened uh you know pretty clandestinely you know scott's son and uh, mr x wrapped up the machine in christmas wrapping paper and stuck signs on it that said don't open till christmas this means you scott and uh, i think it was about a week before christmas when as many of us as we possibly could we got together for the grand unveiling we gave him a card with everybody's signature on it uh, had him read the card out loud and so Scott unwrapped the thing, and of course he was very thankful for it. Um, it's not every day when customers actually bring you a pretty uh, pretty nice piece of uh, product, so he was quite grateful for it. We made him play the first game, after all, it was his gift. So he played the first inaugural game of Donkey Kong 3 at Underground Retrocade, and he scored a whopping high of, I think it was, what, 300? Not 300,000, 300 points. Uh, he said he'd never played the game before. But uh, still, that was a pretty cool thing to experience. Uh, I took pictures that night. Actually, a lot of us did. But I uh, I posted the pictures to Facebook in a pretty public um, album. I'll put the link in the show notes. So um, that's my Donkey Kong 3 story right there.
1: One of these days, I have to get up to Underground Retrocade. I got yes, nothing do. down here. And it's every time I get some time to get up there, i don't have the money so i mean it's kind of it's not a it's not like it's a short trip for me either it's it's a bit of a haul
0: it's a haul for me too actually i mean yeah i live in chicago but part of the problem is you have to take 90 to get there from where i live and it takes forever to get to 90 and then once you're on 90 you get all the construction that's always there
1: with me the the fat the easiest way the easiest fastest way is up state route 47 (laughs) that's sad indeed is that uh, that about it? Is that all we got
0: to say on uh, Donkey Kong Three? Uh, a little bit more. I was, you know, when I was playing this, I was thinking, you know what? It looks like the Donkey Kong thing was kind of. I was, I was thinking, it was kind of an afterthought, because this could be any game. Um, it doesn't have to be Donkey Kong involved. And I had a theory that maybe it started life as a different game. And I did a little bit of research, and sure enough, it's actually based on an existing game, Space Firebird. I didn't. I don't know anything about that game i just know that donkey kong 3 is apparently a reworking of that game space firebird and one more thing i want to say about donkey kong 3 in the in the entire like donkey kong mario series of video games this is the only one apparently in which stanley is a character now the exception is he was in an episode of the saturday morning supercade cartoon
1: wasn't uh-huh. stanley also on one of the uh, nintendo game
0: uh, game watches um, he might have been cuz there there was a little tiny like LCD version of Donkey Kong 3 that might have that might have been in that it might have been a game watch. Well,
1: that was the only video game he was in was Donkey Kong 3, which is kind of weird. I mean, he's uh, he's kind of like the red-headed stepchild of Nintendo. Stanley the Bugman. I tip
0: my hat to you, good sir. As do I. And what was interesting is, you know, how I talked about how on Donkey Kong, like, I did a lot better on MAME than I did in the, uh, on the actual cabinet. Of course, keeping, keeping in mind the cabinet that I played it on was a hard ROM. And in fact, I believe the other major arcade in our area, Galloping Ghost, I have heard from one source that that is also the hard ROM. By the way, Galloping Ghost, also an awesome place. Highly recommend it. Now, here's what happened for me with Donkey Kong 3. In MAME, the highest score I got was 97,500. When I went to Underground Retrocade on Saturday, this past Saturday, I actually got as high as 140,100. Maybe I just got lucky. Could be. So is that about it then for Donkey Kong 3? Yeah, that's about it for Donkey Kong 3. So, uh, Sean, um, how can people uh, get a hold of us, and where can they hear the show? Where they can hear the show is wherever they're listening to it right now. We are on iTunes. You can do a search for Pie Factory Podcast, and we have a website currently hosted at fab4it.com slash pie factory or you could get to us, you could get to the website at flarkit f-l-a-r-k dot i-t slash pie factory uh, we have a twitter address and I don't remember what it is off the top of my head but if you go to our webpage you will see it we have a facebook page that you may like And if you live uh, in the Midwest, you can just scream at us really loudly and we might be able to hear you. Indeed. And you can also email us, piefactory at fab4it.com. That's F-A-B, the number 4, I-T, dot cam.
1: If you guys got any stories or (laughs) suggestions on games you want us to talk about or what have you, just uh, just drop us an email or a message at any of those. You can even message us at Facebook. And uh, there you go. So... uh... How about we reveal the games that we're going to talk about next week and see if maybe anybody can th- think of the theme. This is, uh, this is actually a little less esoteric, because I wanted to talk about this one game, but I was struggling to find a game to come to pair with it, and then I f- it hit me. I don't know if anyone's going to guess
0: the theme. So shall we reveal now? Yes, let's reveal. Uh, game number one is Atari's Firefox. Yay! Atari's Firefox. And game number two, Zookeeper. Okay zookeeper both games that i absolutely love i just thought of another theme notice how uh the first game that we're doing is doing next week is firefox there's a little connector there tonight because what do they call those little things on the rivet level and the, of the donkey kong firefoxes
1: i thought they were called fox fires
0: oh that might be it too ah cr- you just ruined my night. oh man man <coughs> Uh, uh, I gotta go to confession now. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ten lashes with yeah, a with a wet noodle and twenty Hail Marys. Hank Chien, Steve Wiebe and Billy Mitchell are listening to this and saying, "Firefoxes, what a what, what, what is
1: this? Uh, what a dumbass!" Uh,
0: shut up, fart knocker.
1: So, anyway, that's that'll do it for this episode. So we will uh, see you all again in about a week. And once again, this is uh, Jimmy G. And John. Sean. And we will talk to you later. Bye.
0: This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was produced and edited by Sean Courtney. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Jim and Sean can be contacted on Facebook via the Pie Factory podcast page over email at piefactoryfab at 4 itcom or over Twitter at Pi PFP. Visit the Pi Factory podcast on the web via Flarkit, flark.it slash